Welcome to the show. More often than not, when I'm writing fiction, I find myself considering the middle of a story. Middles are often tricky things. Stories can sag in the middle, or lose their way, or even stop completely, resulting in an incomplete work in progress, where the author puts it to one side and allows their mind to think on it for a while, and that while often ends up being years. Middles are the places where characters might forget what they're doing, or go off on a tangent, never to return. They can go to places so extreme that the poor writer gets so confused as to what the original story was intended to be, they can go off in a different direction. Middles are the one thing that, if written well, helps the start get to the end. Yeah, I know that sounds a ridiculous thing to say, but it's true. Everything that starts has to have a middle before it gets to the end. And if that middle is a satisfying one, whatever it is, then, well, job well done. It's rare, therefore, that rather than talk about middles, today I'm talking about the starts and finishes, or beginnings and ends of things. Ends and beginnings are all part of life. You resign your job and start a new one. You'll sell a house and buy a different one. Even some friendships come to an end, and then you find new ones blossom. Sometimes we're ready for the end, and sometimes it comes unexpectedly, much like a really good story where you were enjoying it so much that when the end came, you were left feeling bereft. Obviously, beginnings and ends are vital to books. We need an end to a story, or at least a place to finish the book, even if it continues into a sequel. And we need a beginning so we know where to start reading. Aside from that being the obvious place to begin your reading session, it's also the place where the writer hinges everything upon it for the reader to remain connected throughout the whole story. Starts are a really big deal. I've often begun writing and weeks later discovered, during rereading, that the start should actually be two-thirds in. As writers, we might not know that yet because the story hasn't completely played out in our minds. Once we've begun the process, it's often the emptying of our heads that creates the space that allows us to think about the intricacies of the story. Once we do, yep, that start needed to go over there and that part needs to be at the beginning, and so on. Where the start is might also be down to the pacing too. Recently, I began a science fiction story that allowed a pivotal moment to, to play out right near the start of being introduced to a character. This meant that whatever sinister thing she was up to would be told way too soon, and so the pace of the story will be compromised, as there will be little or no tension leading up to that point. Moving a specific paragraph of dialogue later in the story, towards the middle, to how much I was going to give away to the reader. Telling it too soon would give away too many clues up front, and telling it too late would mean the reader would probably have worked it out already. So yeah, starts were a big deal. There's a lot depending on them, as they also have to hook the reader's attention, be punchy enough to garner curiosity, and depending on the genre, conjure enough interest to want to buy the book to find out more. Endings are even tougher. With an ending, again dependent on the genre, readers expect some satisfaction that they've been rewarded with something worth their time invested in reading it. It's a big ask for a writer to put together a punchy start, a brilliant story and a satisfying end and to try to pull that off to please every single reader. Starts and endings can even be played around with like in time travel genres. 
The Terminator stories are an example of this time travel playground. Depending on the story, you may have come to a natural end. The leading characters have fulfilled their quests, all the questions raised have been answered, and the audience will have enjoyed many hours of entertainment. Some novels have tricky beginnings with lots of threads that will potentially all come together towards the end, but you don't know that part until you get there. Whether or not you, or the writer, will stick around for that is another thing. Boredom can play a big part in writing. Then there's the novel that has clearly finished, but the author just didn't stop writing, and you find the last quarter of the book is simply them saying goodbye to the characters. Obviously, this is something that ought to have been done in private between the writer and the characters, because this sacred relationship has nothing to do with the reader. Sometimes you read the start of a story and get really into it, only to find that the ending was a bit of a wet lettuce. This can be such a disappointment. And there's the other way around, when a novel has a very slow start, but the tension eventually builds up to a climactic ending. Quite a few big names do this, and while I'm a Stephen King fan, he has done this a few times in the past. I suspect because the author and publisher are guaranteed sales because of their name and reputation, having a slower start is fine. Although, can you imagine if an unknown or little-known writer tried to do it? Eek, no, they probably wouldn't be accepted for publication unless these problems were fixed. The journey of writing a novel is an incredibly tricky endeavour, and anyone who tells you otherwise might be fibbing just a little bit. So endings and beginnings are a natural part of life, just as they are being a natural part of writing. The psychology of starts and finishes, or beginnings and endings in novels, is an interesting one. We take in an influx of information while we figure out who does what, why, to whom, and when and how. Then we work out all of that into the other characters' motives. The whole thing can be really time-consuming and brain-filling. Then when the questions have been answered, the quest is completed or the blushing couple have found love, we work towards the ending. This, for the reader, is a complete circle, start to finish. For the writer, however, it's usually a much back-and-forth session. It's a bit like watching a TV show or a movie. We allow ourselves time out from our day to focus all our attentions on it, and after 30 minutes, an hour or two, we've decided that's quite enough and we must get back on with our day. Serials are mini and frequent versions of this. We dip in and out of these viewing sessions or escape sessions before getting back on with our lives. As humans, we need to have a start-stop in most things we do because that's how we process things in our busy schedules nowadays. As a family, we often go to the cinema and the three of us enjoy an eclectic mix of movie genres. Because we enjoy the time spent focusing on the movie, we tend not to think about how our subconscious might be working on a problem elsewhere in our minds during watching the movie. The environment for the cinema is good too. A dark room, a large screen... A drink and snacks, and, if you're anything like me, a movie I've previously researched so I know who's in it and what they were previously in. This is because if I recognise an actor, but I don't know where they're from, it'll mess with my mind and I'll focus on that rather than the movie. I also like to know the synopsis too. I'm like this with books. One thing that might be different though is with books and movies alike, I also like to know the ending if I can find out about it. Spoilers galore. This is because I always like to know where the story is taking me. I suspect it's something to do with not being manipulated to cry. I'm very much in tune with my emotions, all of them, but if I can avoid ugly crying in public, so much the better. If the ending is likely to make me cry, 
then if I know about it ahead of time, I can prepare myself so it's not such a massive deal to me to pick up a pack of tissues in my bag or get messy mascara down my cheeks. Practicalities aside, I don't like being brought down either. On the downside to knowing spoilers, this means I might be heavily influenced before I see the movie or read the book. Others' thoughts within how the spoiler was presented can make a big difference to how we view the movie or book. But that's a whole other thing. The environment for reading is vastly different for me than watching movies. I've tended to read more non-fiction than fiction over the past few years. This is partly because I write reviews for non-fiction and partly because during my recent university course I had to analyse and closely read fiction so the enjoyment of reading stories wore off quite a bit. I'm working on that now though because I really enjoy fiction, although I enjoy writing it more. My preferred reading environment is generally in a naturally lit room with windows open and possibly a cup of peppermint tea. Because I'm likely to be reviewing the book, I also have a notepad and pen next to me so I can make notes all the way through. Non-fiction books have to have a different beginning and end to fiction. Because non-fiction is factual, there's likely to be a timeline being followed. So the start will be at the start of the timeline and the end will be at the end of the timeline. Whereas with fiction, readers can be manipulated to start where the writers want them to start. Evil laughter ensues. So there you have it. Endings and beginnings are really important to writing. If you'd like to get in touch with me via my Twitter feed at SJBWrites and let me know your thoughts on endings and beginnings of stories, whether they're literature or movies, I'd love to hear from you. Until next time, take care. Bye.